Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. All right, now, I'm just going to get right into it. We got to cut the bullshit here because we don't have too much time. All right. I've been doing this thing where I go to bed early. I know. It's lame. It's square. (laughs) But I'm going to bed early on my own terms. You know... I spent most of my life going to bed early because I had to get up to do something I didn't want to do the next morning, like work or school. But I've realized I've had a I've had a key insight, a realization <laughs> that um, I can get up early on my own terms, even when I don't have to do something I don't want to do the next day. And uh, it feels really good. And it feels better than going to sleep late. And uh I think we talked about this on the show maybe last week or the week before, but everywhere I go lately, I've been hearing that it's better to go to sleep early. We talked about that on a Patreon episode that we did for Sovereign Tech. Oh, that's right, because you and I are freshly back from a yoga retreat. Yes. (laughs) Brian and I went to that, but if you want to hear about it, you'll have to become a patron of Brian's on SovereignTech.com. That's right. But this is is Sex and Science Hour, so they don't want to hear about that. Anyway, the point is, it's getting late. One of the sticking points for me in terms of going to bed earlier is the show. It always keeps me up until one in the morning, two in the morning on Friday nights. And that's not good. I don't like the way I feel the next day. So um, I'm going to try to stop that shit. And in order to do that, you know, we got to save some time. So what I've planned tonight is a rapid fire show. We're going to try to get through a bunch of articles, five minutes each, tops, okay? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And uh, it's going to be a little shorter show. But to make up for it, we've got a show with no commercials. So just just the music, just the good shit. It's going to be like an action packed show, but it's going to feel like you you got a lot of a lot of show. So ready? Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it right now. So (laughs) speaking of what happens if you don't get enough sleep? Well, your brain starts to rot to mush, as I've discovered. Um, (laughs) Apparently, dolphins experience this, too. Really? Yeah, there's been uh, new evidence that dolphins can get Alzheimer's disease, at least the pathological hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease. And uh, I'm really interested in Alzheimer's disease because I studied it for my PhD thesis. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I didn't know about dolphins at at the time when I was doing it. It was like I knew that uh, like bears can get uh, pathological hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease, which which are plaques and tangles in the brain. And it's really hard to find those until after the person or the animal is dead because you can't exactly just do a brain biopsy. You know, you can't exactly just go ahead and take out a slice of their brain and look at it under a microscope. But when Aloise Alzheimer discovered this and coined the name Alzheimer's disease, that was what he found was like, you know, these 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 things in a microscope in the brains of deceased people who had lost their memory and had all the classic signs and symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. Right. And the plaques are made of um, amyloid beta, which is a fragment of the amyloid precursor protein, APP, a protein that's in the brain that nobody really knows what it exactly it does, except it makes amyloid beta, um, <laughs> among <laughs> other fragments. And the fragments do other, other things in the brain. But the amyloid beta um, gums up into these sticky plaques And then the tangles, the neurofibrillary tangles, as they're called, are made of another protein called tau, and it's probably hyperphosphorylated, which means it's just altered in a certain way. And that makes a sticky mess, too. And now there's so much about Alzheimer's disease that we could talk about, but 
Suffice it to say that it wasn't known that dolphins could get Alzheimer's disease, or at least the pathological hallmarks of it, until just now. Other animals could get it, like I said, bears, um, monkeys if they get old enough, beagles. If uh, beagles are a long-lived uh, breed of dog, yeah, and, and they would actually get um, these pathological hallmarks in their brains as well. And so sometimes they were used to study it. You can make mice, like transgenic mice. You can make like mutant mice, basically that get what looks like Alzheimer's disease, but mice do not naturally get it if they're not genetically altered. Interesting. I mean, yeah, beagles, like, particularly are very intelligent dogs yeah, as far as right. dogs go. Uh, and, I, you know, I mean, it's just so other animals can get this, right? And you could even, like you say, you could, you know, make mutant mice that, that, that could get Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. Cause I think the first thought that comes to people's minds is that, wow, these, you know, dolphins can get Alzheimer's. Like, this is, this is, uh, uh, you know, they, they must be really intelligent. They may even have like human like comp- consciousness, you know, sapient consciousness. And like, so, so creatures that, that I wouldn't think have any hallmarks of actually having sapience, you know, can still get this. Mm-hmm. But, when you add this on top of all the other things that we know about dolphins and how their brains work, it, yeah. it's, it makes a far more compelling case. I agree that they're very human-like or they're, they're yeah, very... Yeah, or that they're even They're sapien. very advanced. Yeah, right. exactly. I don't know about elephants. I'm not sure if elephants get Alzheimer's. There's probably not They do enough. get PTSD. They do, definitely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's enough dead elephant brains to uh, actually do a study on it, but apparently some researchers in Spain actually did some studies on dolphins, and they were actually drawing a correlation between um, insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes, because now they're saying that's connected with Alzheimer's. They're saying that Mm. basically... Alzheimer's disease is like diabetes of the brain, where the insulin signaling gets fucked up and it leads to this cascade that leads to all the symptoms and pathological features of Alzheimer's disease. So, you know, basically don't eat carbs. (laughs) Stay away from sugar and, you know, maybe your brain is going to be safe. The natural health people have been saying that for a while and they have a way of calling stuff, you know, sometimes I'll give it to them. Um, So... Yeah, sometimes they're very observant. But dolphins aren't exactly right. like carving it up, you know. They're not they they would be eating fish, right? <laughs> so Yeah, generally or some kind of um yeah. seaweed or yeah. something like that. I don't know what dolphins eat, but I wouldn't think of them as eating a particularly high carb diet or anything like that, but maybe it's just if you get old enough and your brain is a certain way or your brain is advanced enough, then you're going to get Alzheimer's disease. Sure, I mean there's something to be said for you know, depending on how far you want to go with genetic determinism, that you're only supposed to live so long. And frankly, once you go past that, you know, yeah. <laughs> your, your body starts to shut down. These these researchers said that a post a long post fertility lifespan lifespan. So basically, the animal lives a long time after its reproductive window is kind of closed. Uh-huh. Is is like you know a thing that leads to the development of Alzheimer's disease. And dolphins and cetaceans, which is like the order of mammals that dolphins belong to, can live up to 100 years, which is enough time to develop these beta amyloid deposits in the brain. Fascinating. Yeah. Very, very interesting stuff. Dolphins are more human than you think. Now, speaking of mutations and speaking of humans, (laughs) uh, have you ever heard of the Amish mutation, Brian? No. (laughs) You have any experience with Amish people? Uh, Yeah, the Amish, absolutely. (laughs) Isn't that a derogatory term? Uh, It it can be. It can be. But anyway, it's something that's actually rather commonplace to be said in New York. Um, Yeah, that's part of the accent. Sure, yeah. (laughs) The New York accent accent <laughs> that's more like a chicago accent which everybody what thinks is this? You ha- you're from chicago but okay the so the amish mutation is a mutation in a protein called plasminogen activator inhibitor one or pai1 which doesn't really describe exactly what it does it was first discovered for its role in blood clotting and you know if you have mutations in it then you have uh you can potentially have problems with blood clotting okay But apparently this protein does other things and it plays a role in diabetes, actually. And the like there's a a high frequency of this mutation in certain Amish communities. And um, there's recently been a study done by some researchers showing that these Amish people are protected from developing diabetes and also from going bald and uh, dying of heart attacks at young ages. How how is that? I mean, this is just so. Like... It, it, this is really interesting. So, in order to do this study, 
they had to get a, a community of Amish people to consent to be in the study. Right. And they said that some of these people had never had blood drawn in their life because they never go to a doctor. And so they would pass out when they had the, the blood draw. Wow. Wow. They just like they didn't expect that. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a part of me that's wondering, is this just because these people grew up without with without electronics and that somehow. <laughs> no, because there's there's. They had a great control group because some of the Amish had the mutation and some of them didn't have the mutation. Uh, and so the ones that did not have the mutation, they had a rate of diabetes around 7%. But the ones that did have the mutation, none of them had diabetes. So it protected it protected against diabetes. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, it's not just the Amish lifestyle. I mean, Americans who don't live on an Amish farm in an 18th century lifestyle have a lot higher rates of type 2 diabetes than 7%. It's more like 70% by the time you get to a certain age. Yeah, but, I gotta uh, wonder what brought that on. That's yeah, something. It's really interesting. So, um, kudos to these people for uh, getting... Kudos to the Amish for participating in this study. Yes. <laughs> There's more coming up. Thank you, Amish, for letting us study you. <laughs> <laughs> and figure out what protects from diabetes. Amen. That's my little Amish prayer. Amen? <laughs> yeah. It just felt appropriate, okay? All right, all right. We'll let it slide. <laughs> no commercials tonight. And speaking of diabetes, some researchers say that sugar should be treated as a controlled substance. What say you, says the headline here at this blog. Uh, and this is a poll. This was sent in by one of our listeners in the Facebook group, uh-huh. which you can join, by the way, if you go to uh, Sex and Science Hour podcast community on Facebook and you want to join the fun. It's a very active group with lots of discussion and articles posted every day. Um, we like to get show prep from there. And this was posted in the group. And it's a it's a poll asking, you know, basically, what do you think of this idea? There's some there's some experts, there's some authorities who think that it's high time to tax and regulate sugar, just like alcohol and cigarettes, because it works so well with those. What do you think? Do you think that sugary foods and drinks should be regulated by the government? And the options are, no, let Americans decide what they want to eat. Yes, tax it like alcohol and tobacco. Or, eh, on the fence, sugar's bad, but I'm not sold on the tax. Now, I think there's more possible options. Oh, there should be a lot more (laughs) options of that. Uh, Yeah, I agree. But I'm going to go ahead and vote no. No, let Americans decide what they want to eat and then see what the results are. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so (laughs) right now, November 17th, the results are nearly half of people said, yes, it should be taxed like alcohol and tobacco. Wow. Sugar should be taxed. Yes, the government should regulate. So nearly half of people who participated in this poll, and this is not a representative study because it's an Internet poll. Yeah. But regardless, half of the people reading this article believe that sugar should be taxed and regulated. And they're just ready to hand over all their donuts and sugary shit to the government to have them collect a cut of it. Holy shit. Now, that's the real Halloween nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. We had Halloween a couple of weeks ago. And I was thinking, like, you know, all these parents who are afraid of uh, people putting drugs in the candy. You know those memes that go around on Facebook every Halloween where it's like, watch out for people putting drugs in your kid's candy. Well, right. first of all, nobody does that because drugs are expensive and nobody wants to yeah, waste why the it fuck by giving you it to that? kids. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's, just, it's just a stupid urban legend that scares people. But <laughs> scares parents who don't know any better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Anyway, I think the candy is the drugs. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing, right? Is that what the scientists have come up with about, okay, this is the reasons, this is the background, this is the foundation of why we need to regulate and tax sugar because sugar does this, 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 you know, all these negative sugar things. Sugar is addictive. Yeah. It's very, it's a very addictive substance. People almost can't control themselves. They get sugar cravings. It's, it's basically as addictive as a lot of the so-called hard drugs. Right. Especially when people have trauma, because we know trauma and addictions go hand in hand. Right. I don't argue with what the scientists are are saying or the reasons why. I think they they're probably right. You know that that I mean, I I personally think sugar is this terrible fucking thing. I agree. I think it's terrible. I believe that it's wholly addictive and bad shit. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, give me some. You know, I'll take some Reese's pieces. But Jesus, you know, it's (laughs) it's so bad. Um, But this is not the Reese's pieces. But you don't want to give it to the government to hand it, portion it out to you, and demand a tax. Right. But that's the thing is that it's just going to create all kinds of weird 
anytime the government starts regulating some kind of industry or market, yeah, it, it just creates Has all kinds of problems. Has taxing alcohol and cigarettes stopped people from smoking and drinking? Hasn't no. solved a damn thing. No. <laughs> what do they do with all that money that comes from the alcohol? Do they put it towards anti-drunk driving education? Do they make the roads better? Do they put it towards the schools? No, actually, they just put it in their coffers and it just goes, it's not earmarked for anything. That's what they always say. Oh, it's going to help educate kids in anti-smoking like programs and schools. Bullshit. It doesn't go to no, that. It you just know goes to the general pockets and who knows what they do with it. Yeah, real quick on that, because that, that, that's an important thing to bring up. Um, a lot of people don't realize, like, remember that truth campaign for that was anti-cigarettes? Mm -hmm. OK, that was funded by Philip Morris. Like, I, mm -hmm. I, I mean, these and, and this is look, the government regulates these industries. But what they do is, is they just they force the industry to pay for and for their own uh, uh, market category their own anti-market category campaigns yeah. to kind of make it even. But they don't actually shut down the fucking market category. Right. I mean, like, it, it, it's such a twisted bit of logic that, that makes no sense whatsoever. But that's exactly what happens. The government never puts a dime down on, on actually educating people about mm -hmm. this shit. They make the companies themselves pay for it, but then they don't shut down the company. If it's that bad, you know, I'm, I'm not arguing for this, but if it's that bad, fucking shut down the company. <laughs> now, do you think that if sugar and carbs were more expensive, that people would eat less of them? No. I don't either. No. Because other food wouldn't be cheaper. Right. <laughs> like, it's not going to make vegetables cheaper and meats cheaper, you know? Yeah, I mean, and, and even then, I think this stuff, I mean, like the concept of a sugar tax and all that, it, it would get shut down so fast. Um, yeah, I mean, because I there, there have been tariffs in the I past. Mean, part that, of the reason people are so fat and diabetic in America is because the government subsidizes corn. So they subsidize right. corn so heavily, which gets turned into high fructose corn syrup. Yep. Everybody knows about this now. It, this is old hat, you know? Yeah. And, it it hasn't the government itself is encouraging this problem and so what are they going to do subsidize the corn and then tax the corn syrup no i mean that doesn't make any sense no yeah it's just not none of this is going to work yeah. um i mean the best thing you can do never mind the principle of like let people decide what to put in their own damn fucking mouth right yeah exactly right let let people you know control their own bodies yeah uh, but the best thing you can do is just educate people about it uh, but legislation and all that doesn't educate people. In fact, it gives them a false sense of security mm -hmm. that, oh, no, someone else is taking care of the problem. Right. No, you have to take care of your own your own damn self. Mm -hmm. You know, the government's not going to make you skinny. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Other than it might starve you because it taxes the shit. Right. Out of you. If it gets that bad, you know, it might be like Venezuela. Levels, right. right? <laughs> no, I'm I'm being you know, it would take a lot to get to Venezuela levels or or anything. But I yeah. mean, it's not inconceivable in communist regimes where the government has control over the entire economy. Yes, people do starve in some cases. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Next article here. Researchers build a cancer immunotherapy without immune cells. Now, this is really interesting because a hot topic right now in cancer is immunotherapy. Okay. And what is immunotherapy? It's ways to manipulate the person's own immune system to be more uh, able to destroy cancer that's in their body. Because I think, like, you know, people have started to figure out, scientists, patients, doctors, everybody, has started to figure out that, you know, the chemotherapy and radiation, it's... It's terrible. You know, it, yeah. it really causes a lot of suffering. It doesn't always cure the cancer. You know, some of its some types are some types of cancer are easier to treat with that stuff than others. Mm -hmm. But people go through a lot of suffering. And if you could have something that's a little bit more specific with like maybe fewer side effects and maybe that's able to treat harder to treat cancers, that would be great. Um, but how are you gonna do that? Well, our own immune systems are really good at kind of rooting out precancerous cells a lot of times. So what if we could kind of enhance those functions to uh, to actually fight cancer? Well, um, there's a number of immunotherapies that are being developed. Uh, there's the PDL one which is like, you know, this immune molecule that supposedly lets cancer cells kind of hide from, uh, from the immune system. And if mm -hmm. you cover that up, it makes the tumor visible. So it goes the idea. So there's all these therapies being developed with that. There's like, you know, there's a number of other immune molecules that are kind of like that, that are, they're trying to manipulate to fight cancer. Sure. But the problem with that is if you don't have an immune system because you've been through chemotherapy and chemotherapy and radiation wipe out all the fast growing cells in the body, that includes most of the immune system. 
it's going to wipe out your immune system, and then you try to do immunotherapy, well, you don't have any immune system left to fight off the tumor. Right. So um, they, I guess, some researchers are working on a way to make synthetic or artificial T-cells that will actually work against cancer. Hasn't this been like a dream for a while? Like, wasn't this something like that they were trying to do when AIDS was was a hotter topic? Synthetic T cells? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard of that, but maybe they were. I'm yeah, sure for that, some that reason, would be a I, good I th- idea. Yeah, I I think that this like a, like at Gilead Labs or something like that. This has been talked about quite a bit. Hmm. Um, I seem to remember. So, but I mean, that's you know, if if they're going forward with it, well, fucking right, good. You mm-hmm. know, if they're getting closer. Yeah, I guess. Um, there's. Let's see. Uh, a research team built a cancer detecting sensor in a in a research line of cells. And the sensor has two parts, one that protrudes from the cell like an antenna and represses an endogenous signaling pathway, and another composed of two receptors that can activate the same signaling pathway when they sense specific proteins on another cell surface, like cancer cells. Hmm. When the receptors came into contact with a cancer cell presenting the antigens they recognize, this interaction displaces all the antennas, and the boom, it goes, <laughs> it destroys the cell. <laughs> boom goes the T cell. Boom goes the T cell. All right, we've got a couple of articles that uh, may piss some people off, but I'm going to read them anyway. All right, sounds good to me. (laughs) Okay, this was also sent in by one of our producers. Well, we only have one producer. (laughs) (laughs) You know who you are. Uh, (laughs) Games show how the presence of competent women generates hostile behavior in incompetent men. Oh. So, in other words, rephrasing this headline, uh, there was a study done. Well, I'll just read I'll just read the details of the study. Okay. So, some researchers did a study about people playing Halo 3, which is a multiplayer online game. Yes. Okay. They looked at what happened when women or people who had voices that were perceived to be read as female. Okay. Right? So you you know, the person has a female appearing voice. She she nails it. She wins in the game. She starts kicking ass. Okay. How do the low performing males react to that? Do they say, Oh, good for you, girl, you're killing it? Or do they say, Ugh, I can't believe I'm being beat by a girl. <laughs> Any guess? I'm going to guess the latter. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, though I have comments on that as a game developer and as a heavy-duty gamer, uh, but go ahead. Uh, the worse the player, the more hostility they express toward women in the game. Angry gamers. Losers even in their own escapist fantasies, says the article. Uh, so, basically, the worse the, the male did in the game... The more mm-hmm. angry he got at a female who was better than him, right? I I just don't even know what to say. I mean, have you have you experienced anything like this? I don't really play online games, but I certainly have experienced, you know, men kind of throwing temper tantrums when a woman is smarter than him or well, whatever. Okay, so I can speak to to varying degrees of experience with with all of this. I mean, I read this article too, and. Honestly, like it doesn't have to be video games. You could put any topic, uh, any any subject, what any any hobby in there, and it's the same. Like mm-hmm. I, I really do. I really think it's the absolute same. That that they you know guys will just get mad if they're getting beat by a girl. Yeah. Um, see, one of the interesting controls in this, and I I should have mentioned this earlier, but um, they also looked at how did those same players that got mad when the woman was performing better than he was, mm-hmm. how did they react to a male who another man who was performing better than he was, and actually they didn't get mad at the male. They showed submissiveness toward him. Oh, they got dominated. Oh man. <laughs> They're just ready to bend over and grab the ankles. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's reading into it a little bit. But, <laughs> but they didn't get mad in the same way. So why is it that that anger gets triggered by a woman outperforming him? Well, I think there, there's probably a ton of reasons that, and, you know, like it, it, there's, again, really a multitude of reasons as to why. I could think of a few. But 
regardless of that, yeah, I've seen this and, and where, if it's the opposite situation where if it's women not doing as well in those games and guys kind of take on a protector role in the multiplayer games, uh, for like the, you know, whoever the gal is that, that that's playing, I've seen this. Uh, I mean, they love that. Like they, they actually really like that and they want that gal to come back, even if she doesn't really add a whole lot to the mm-hmm. team, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so not every male is like that, you know. No, no, no. I, I think most of them are. I think 99% of them are oh. are that way. I'm just saying that, like, if you turn the tables where the gal isn't better than they are, they love it. Okay? Oh, okay. Yeah. So they like women as long as they don't uh, they do not do too well. Show them up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, the funny thing is, is that in the 90s, okay, uh, now granted at that time, unless you're a PC gamer, you didn't really have a whole lot of multiplayer gaming happening on the console scene. Okay. Multiplayer was happening right in front of you. Like you had, you're playing golden eye on N64 or something on dreamcast, whatever. Like a two player game where you're sitting in the same room. Two or four. Yeah. And you're, you're sharing the same screen, which has its own challenges regardless. Okay. I, I can say this like in, in my small sample size of me and my friends, teenagers in the nineties, we would worship the ground of a woman. That, and or a gal that wanted to they wanted to come in and play video games. If yeah. she beat our asses, all the more we're going to worship this gal. I mean, <laughs> like I don't under I really cannot grasp. I I get it that this is how most gamers, most guy gamers react. I really think it's how it is. I've seen it. Okay, but I can't grasp that mindset for the life of me. Yeah, I was about to say one of the things I really like about playing games with you, and we do play video games together sometimes. Yeah, is that you never get mad if I do better than you or if I win something. You're always like, "Hey, good job!" You know, like it's there's literally nothing, you know, nothing mad about it. <laughs> I am, I am just happy. I don't to... think I'd be your girlfriend if you did. Get well, mad right? About that, no, like that, fuck. I'm just. Ha- I mean, I'll play games with anybody, but it's just I'm just happy to play. I mean, it's it's double awesome mm-hmm. to play games with uh, you know a friend or lover or something like that you know or you know with my best friend and lover that being you i mean how how, how much how much better could life get (laughs) i agree it's so much fun we have fun playing games together right so again i just i cannot grasp where this comes from now granted the, the the sample size that they went with i don't recall if they exactly said what the age range was um look teenagers a lot of especially a lot of teenage boys are very fucked up Okay. Uh, and yes, I, and I'm not true. saying I didn't have my problems either. I'm just saying that they are very fucked up and they have very skewed senses of reality. Mm-hmm. A lot of that comes from the kind of hierarchical nature, not nature that they have inside, but that they are taught. Uh, the I should say the hierarchical nurture that they're taught in mm-hmm. high school. Uh, that is a real problem. So, uh, you know, I, I could see a, there's a lot to this, you know, but yeah, sure. It's, it's a reality, but it, it's a shame. In fact, I think now when you start to include mobile gaming and things like this, I think 60% of gamers are women. Mm. Uh, they they actually are the dominant wow, they're the video majority. gaming. Yeah. Uh, but but most people, you know. Super interesting. Yeah. I mean, well, a lot of games, it's easy to hide your gender. You know, you just have a gender neutral username and nobody knows you're a woman. Sure. And a lot of women do hide their gender because they get they know they get harassed if they show that they're a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, it, and, and it's interesting because, I mean, the gaming industry itself does a does a piss poor job of having like even female characters. I mean, Halo 3 and like ODST mm-hmm. and all those did, a, did an OK job of allowing for that. But um, I mean, it's tough to even like for, for a gal to be a gal in a, in a game. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's a very weird, very weird world. Uh, but mm. at the same time, I think that there's like this kind of thing, you know, lights up gaming magazines. And so sometimes I wonder if there isn't some cheap heat being gone for. But I do think that this is a reality. That this, oh, so you that think they're happens. just playing it up for headlines? Yeah, I mean, that's sometimes totally, that happens. Totally possible, like but, Gamergate was but, legit at first, but then I think it, it got blown out of proportions because it was such an easy news source. And I think that the news made it a lot. A lot worse than it was. Not saying it wasn't bad. Like, I mean, really bad shit was definitely happening, but they 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 made it a little worse. Well, speaking of uh, female superiority, you are less likely to die within a month of surgery if your surgeon is a woman, study finds. 
The percentage of female surgeon has has been growing steadily over the past 50 years. This is great for equality, but also, if you have a female surgeon, you're less likely to die within a month of your operation, says IFL Science. A large-scale study found that patients who had been operated on by a female surgeon were a whopping 12% less likely to die in the following 30 days of recovery. Wow. Now, that's the finding. Nobody really knows why. Is it because the female surgeons are better at keeping their patients alive? Do they do better follow-up? Is it because female surgeons take on less risky cases? Is it because they're assigned less risky cases by maybe their superiors or something like that? Why is this? If you have a choice between a male and female surgeon, all things being equal, should you choose for the woman? Um, I don't know. There's nothing really to suggest that you should. But this is very, that's a, a, an interesting finding. Yeah, I I have a comment on this. Okay, but What's the music's rolling like. All right, well, go, it's it's on the way out. Okay, the go, music's go on the with, way out. Go ahead with your comment. So, in the military, uh, even when I was in the military, um, there was a lot of talk about, and this this was coming out of a lot of declassified uh, documents from uh, the Soviet Union, mm-hmm. and this stuff was still all being combed over and everything. Um, Ooh, and th- there, sounds interesting. Yeah, there there was there was a lot of research done on like you know because because a, a woman's brain has what running through it estrogen you know mainly right or I mean through the body. Well, that's more, the conventional idea. Yeah, is more that so these than hormones affect our brains well, so much. Yeah. Okay, but I mean it's not testosterone, right? I mean like that. That's, well. Er- Women have some testosterone, yes. just not as much as the average man does. Right, but it's primarily estrogen running through, right? Well, <laughs> men have estrogen in their brains too. Again, it's primarily just... <laughs> like is, is it? Oh, there's so many hormones and neurotransmitters okay. in the brain that right. you really can't make a statement like it's primarily estrogen running the female brain. You okay, know? well, the argument that what, what I, okay, well, I mean, just the argument that that was or the research that that I was to understand was that. Estrogen like burned cleaner effectively through through the you know through the human brain <laughs> and and because of that um like female pilots were able to keep track of more uh targets than male pilots were mm-hmm. um and so you know one could translate that to surgery and saying that you know you, you i mean there's a lot of veins mm. and who knows whatever else that you're trying to keep track of right. and that they could actually do that better um i mean it's not a, it's not a knock on women. It's actually saying they're superior, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's really interesting, too, because it's a self-selected group. Like, like you have to go through a rigorous training to become a surgeon. And actually, there's a good old boys club that you have to really prove yourself and work twice as hard if you're sure. a woman. I don't in doubt some, it. In some cases. And so maybe the, the female surgeons that make it into their profession are like even better than the best because they've had to work twice as hard to prove themselves. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes just as much sense. Absolutely. Yeah. If not I don't know. So. There's all kinds of things that could be going on there, but I thought it was really interesting. Uh, so anyway, speaking of medical stuff, <laughs> you'll love this, Brian. And speaking of government nanny state stuff, the FDA has approved the first digital pill that tracks you. It contains a sensor. Okay. And this is a, this is a psychiatric drug. It's called Abilify which I don't know how that name got past the FDA because the FDA has to approve like the names of all the drugs. And it's not supposed to sound like, oh, like this will make you happy and solve all your problems. You know, the name of the drug is supposed to be something that just sounds kind of neutral, like it's not supposed to sound too salesy, I guess. Okay, but Abilify, that's a name that I've always thought was like, oh, really, it's going to give you extra abilities. Like, that's what it sounds like. It's Yeah, it's kind of strange. Um. So, but this is a, it's a drug for all kinds of psychiatric shit, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and an add-on treatment for depression. So that means they don't really know what it does, but it does something in the brain and they give it to people who are deemed crazy. (laughs) So, uh, and it has a sensor in it that can track you. It communicates with a patch worn by the patient. The patch then transmits medication data to a smartphone app which the patient can voluntarily up, up uh, voluntarily upload to a database for their doctor and other authorized persons to see. So basically, it tracks whether you took your meds or not. Yeah. Now, what could go wrong with that? Yeah, a lot. Now, <laughs> I mean, I was actually I was tempted to talk about this on my show Sovereign Tech, but um 
in, in fairness, like there are people who really do, I hate to use the term abuse, but who really do will like not take their pills and will sell them mm-hmm. when they need to be taking those pills sure. for whatever's going on. I agree, but I don't think this is a drug of abuse. This is not a drug that people take for fun. Well, right. Well, this is, I mean, you know, you don't test it like usually on the worst case scenario, right? You, you kind of do it that in more of a I guess, sure. uh, way. Yo, um, there's absolutely people out there who would love to know if you swallowed that pill or if you sold it or if you put it up your nose or yeah and and i i i think that that that's something you know that i think a lot of doctors would be very attracted by you know that they would they would really like that this is this is kind of a thing yeah i mean my concern is eventually you won't be able to get a pill without the sensor right well that's and and that's i mean my mind automatically goes to like the worst dystopian you know kind of equilibrium style uh uh future that that i could imagine where Everybody has to start taking pills and oh yeah, right. they're going to know <laughs> if, you don't if you're not. It. Yeah, exactly. Right. And whatever it is, you know, and it's some kind of like mood suppressing mm-hmm. you know, pill or something like that. Yeah, um, it makes you docile. Right. And I, fe- I have a feeling this drug is one of those drugs that does kind of make you docile. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's, in my opinion, it's actually a horrendous idea, uh, uh, straight up. I mean, you just, you can't control humans. That That's, that's the part that people have to like, just be aware of. Do whatever you can have a little system that somehow allows for you maybe to, to keep people from abusing uh, their prescriptions or something. But I mean, part of the problem there too, is that doctors really aren't often aren't prescribing enough, you know? Hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is you mean it, with pain management. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're afraid to prescribe pain meds because of the opioid. Right. Abuse and look, stress is bad for the body yeah. straight up. So fucking prescribe them some pain meds. OK. Mm-hmm. Uh, but- I, heard a, I heard a story. A guy called into a medical show where he got this tooth extraction and they wouldn't give him pain meds because of the opioid crisis. And he was in he was horribly traumatized. Been so there. Don't, don't I- let that happen to you. No. Yeah. No way. All right. This is Sex and Science Hour. Thanks for joining us this week. The after show is coming up. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. Good rapid fire show, didn't you? Yeah. Ran too quick. Yeah. So now we're on the after show, which is brought to you by stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. And uh, we always talk about what was purchased through that link because it is a tracking link. And if you hear about something on our after show and you want to get one for yourself, you can always go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and pick up one for your for your very own. Yes. And sometimes we talk about items, too, that you can get there. So, wow, what did people get this week? It was a very interesting week over at stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Uh, first of all, somebody got a big air conditioning unit for a, a, an RV. So it's a Coleman, uh, which is a camping brand, uh, park model RV air conditioner. Wow. 13.7 thousand BTUs. So that's pretty serious. Someone's planning on going on a camping trip, probably long term. I, Brian, would you ever travel around in an RV around the U.S., like on a permanent road trip? Absolutely. <laughs> I think that sounds really fun. I mean, it, in a sense, it sounds fun. I feel like as long as I had some creature comforts, I would probably be okay, and it would be fun for like at least uh, six months or a year. But after well, that, I would want to go back to my house. <laughs> I mean, you see some of these RVs. I mean, these things are homes. You know, yeah. they, they oh, really yeah. like they're full on, you know, I mean, you can get in like a, like a king size bed. I mean, holy shit. Yeah. Crazy. What about a tiny house? Would you like to live in a tiny house? Uh, I mean, I could do it. You know, I'm not very tiny myself. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a problem when you yourself are not tiny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I lived out of my truck 
for you know for a little while. That's right. And, you I did. Mean, you did a big. You did a really good podcast about it. I still think you should write a little book about that. I'm going to. I've okay. wanted to for a while. But I mean, list. I That's did good. it in the dead of you know in the middle of like mi- in minus ten degree Fahrenheit winters. I mean, I you yeah. Know, I, I bonus, wasn't fucking you get around. bonus points for that. That's yep. serious. Um, so yeah, you can get a tiny house on Amazon too. I just saw an article about like the best tiny houses on Amazon. Like 30,000. They have a bunch of them. (laughs) Yeah. Although I think they can be built a lot cheaper for that. Obviously you're paying for convenience. So, but, but it kind of maybe defeats the purpose of, of a tiny house for some, because you're trying to like, you know, scrimp on cost by having a tiny house. You don't want to overpay for it. So there's that. But, um, Anyway, if you want a, a brand new laptop, somebody got a, a new CHUWI laptop, lap, oh. Lapbook Air. Is this one of the ones that you recommended? Yes, it is. I recommend oh. this model a lot. What's the price tag on that? It's like 300 It's 429 or $4.99. Okay. Yeah, this is, it's a little Chinese company, mm-hmm. kind of came out of nowhere, and they are releasing just these beautiful uh, uh computers i mean that that are all metal uh, you know i mean like they, it looks really slick it's like very thin profile yep. it's an, it looks like a like a macbook air almost yeah i mean it, they're they're very it's called impre- the lap book air <laughs> right yeah they're, <laughs> Not, they're very I love that name yeah <laughs> that's, that's such a knockoff name <laughs> yeah they're they're windows machines um but i mean they're just very nice uh, uh little computers it's pretty much as far as in the bargain computer realm i mean and look the, this thing isn't a powerhouse but in the bargain computer realm it's pretty much a, a toss-up between this and like lenovo's i think they have an idea pad called the y20s mm. and those are the two right now that are kind of the king of of this like mid-range tier that actually Hmm. give you a degree of quality build quality of any kind so Uh, how do you how do you say it is it c-h-u-w-i or is it chewy well i called it cooey but oh uh, yeah okay well i'm gonna call it chewy there you go okay so get a chewy laptop if you're interested in that (laughs) yeah i mean these are very nice machines they have a bunch of different models too but i mean for for the price that you're paying it's it's pretty good i mean i have an old saying that there's no such thing as a $200 computer. There's just a $600 computer with a bunch of malware and ad tech on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one of those ones where, yeah, like because of where it's come from in the manufacturing process, it, you're getting your money's worth. Awesome. Okay, well, cool. I hope you enjoy it. Somebody got some essential oil, frankincense essential oil, just in time for Christmas. Five mLs for thirty five ninety five. I got to get into the frankincense business here. Um, <laughs> but uh, what are some of the things that people use frankincense oil for? Uh, I, you I give it know. to Jesus, right? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to see like what people actually do with it. Oh, it says good for bug bites. Oh. I carry it with me and use it on friends, and they can't believe how well it works. So I hope you get your friend's consent. And I hope you enjoy the frankincense oil. <laughs> Megafood Women's One Daily supports healthy emotional balance and stress response vitamins. 90 tablets for 44 bucks. Stay strong, ladies. Women's One Day helps fill everyday nutritional gaps while encouraging healthy stress response and balanced mood. Now, what does it have in there? Oh, it's got ashwagandha. I knew it. I knew it had ashwagandha. Ooh, it's got everything. It's got astragalus, eleuthero, ginger nettle, Wow. Dandelion, red raspberry. Ooh, this is some fancy huh. shit. No wonder it's 44 bucks. And it's got like, you know, superfoods like, you know, from like the vitamin A comes from like carrots and, and stuff like that. Very cool. Ooh, it's got shiitake mushrooms and shisandra berry. Wow. It's like every health food ever. <laughs> I got to like look into this a little bit more. That's really cool. Um, Okay, so good luck with that. That's that sounds great. Sounds like a great supplement. Um, S wheat scoop, not S wheat, sweet, but it's spelled S wheat scoop, fast clumping all natural cat litter, twenty bucks for a bag. I okay, think that's pretty cute, right? Yeah, sweet scoop, sweet scoop. Pet armor six count fast caps for dogs for treatment of flea infestations. So it's like anti flea stuff that you give your dog and somebody got a, got the kind for a big dog they have two dosages one for dogs two to 25 pounds and another one for dogs above 25 pounds okay oh yeah somebody's got a big dog and they're not gonna have any fleas <laughs> um 
oh God, another Korean beauty product. So there's somebody who's a big fan of like Korean skin products, which I don't blame them because Koreans make great skin products. Um, This is some kind of toner that you put on your face and it has hyaluronic acid in it. Hyaluronic acid is a component of skin that gives it its firmness. So it's in a lot of uh, beauty creams and stuff like that. The name of this stuff is called Hada Labo Rotugoku Jun Hyaluronic Milky Lotion. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to search for it, there you go. And it was also accompanied by another product called Hadalabo Roto Hadalabo Gokujun Hyaluronic Lotion Moist. I don't know what the difference is, but they appear to be kind of complimentary products. So there you go. You're a little Hadalabo. Yeah, I think I am. Cos RX SPF 50 Aloe Soothing Sun Cream with SPF 50. So that's good. Wow, somebody must be going on an RV trip to where they need to get air conditioning and they want their skin to look really good and they want to be protected from the sun because this has SPF 50. That's pretty good. Whoa. Yeah, that's serious. Um, I mean, it's like when you go near a so, nuclear power plant. Well, yeah. All right. Maybe they're going to Burning Man or something, but that's not till next August. So I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Now, I hear about SPF. It has diminishing returns over about SPF, I think it's like 15 or 20. And the reason for that is that it's a sun protection factor. That's what SPF stands for. And so it's like if you have SPF 2, it's two times the natural protection that your skin has. Like multiply whatever protection your skin gives you from the sun Uh by 2. If you have SPF 10, you multiply it by 10. But it's like, okay, maybe Maybe your skin naturally, let's say your your skin blocks out naturally like 25% of the sun's rays. Okay. okay. If you multiply that by two, you're blocking out 50% of the sun's rays. So that's like a huge gain, right? Right. Now, if you multiply that by 10, it's it's ending up with like, okay, now you're blocking out 90 or 95% of the sun's rays or something like that. So the difference between SPF 2 and SPF 10 is huge. But the difference between SPF 10 and SPF 50 is not that is not much more, right? Because there's only so much you can there's only so much you can block out. Yeah, yeah, okay. So basically, it's an asymptote approaching 100 percent, approaching blocking 100 percent of the sun's rays, and you really don't need that much. I mean, like a white T-shirt is SPF five or or ten, I think. Just so. put some Crisco on, I mean. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just rub, put it on your friend's stomach, lay on top of them, and just rub your bodies together until everybody's covered. Problem solved. Yeah, right? hey. All right. It'll smell like butter when you're, when you're out on the beach, too. <laughs> Ooh, this looks really good. Frontier Organic Vanilla. Um, non-alcoholic vanilla flavoring. And this is, you know, like, this is like a serious vanilla for, like, serious bakers. Oh, that looks so good. I love vanilla. I'm not a big fan of chocolate, but I really love vanilla, and I I would put it in nearly everything. Uh, <laughs> All right. Okay, Super Shields for LG V20 Tempered Glass spree- Screen Protector. This is just for a phone, so it's like some kind of glass thing for 8 bucks. That's good. Good job. Yeah. Yep, that was good. Should I get a screen protector for my phone? No. Oh, no. I don't have any kids, you know. I don't plan on dropping it. I, I still... And I know it happens, and there's people that I actually, like, you know, respect their opinions and stories they tell me where it happens. Like, I, well, I, I guess we knew somebody who had a, had an S8 and it cracked mm-hmm. on them. Like, I've just, I've never had that happen. And I've dropped my phones, like, tons of times. <laughs> yeah, I've had a few phones where I've really dropped it a lot. Yeah. And I, the, the case, like, dented, but the screen didn't crack. And what are we up to now? Gorilla Glass 20? Yeah, uh, like, I, I, I it's really good. When, People when have is, tested this very thoroughly because they've been dropping their phones for 10 years. Yeah, I, I just, I don't I don't know when that happens. I, I really don't grasp, like... Kids. That's got yeah. Um, maybe that's it. Maybe. Or if somebody sits, or if on they're it, drunk. The, the oh, other thing that's what I thought it was. One, yeah. Because it was really, I'll tell you, it was happening a lot in New Hampshire, and I was thinking, I was like, you know, these people just must be drunk and are throwing them against the wall or something. And yeah. like, I, I, I don't, I just don't fucking get it. How that, how exactly this is happening? And I've, I mean, I've used a ton of phones. I've beat the shit out of them. Okay, because I mean, <laughs> I'm a tech journalist. Like, I need to know how these things work. I, I put my tech through the paces, and that just never happens i don't get it yeah 
When I've known it to happen to people, they've been drunk I, as well. I agree. Or it's a kid or they sit on it. That's yeah. the only times. Yeah. So be careful out there with your phones. Arm and Hammer Essentials Natural Deodorant Unscented. I have tried this natural deodorant. It's aluminum-free and paraben-free, which are two of the bad things that you don't want in your deodorant because right. you got a lot of lymph nodes in your armpits and it absorbs shit, right? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a woman, you don't want, you know, there's like a concern that it could be like breast cancer or like it could block your lymph nodes from draining the breast and then you're more likely to get breast cancer. I don't know if that's really true, but that's why some people wear natural deodorant. Yes, and now Arm & Hammer makes this natural deodorant. They used to make one that had that antibacterial triclosan stuff in it. Oh, and this one has it. Yeah. So it doesn't have aluminum and it doesn't have um, uh, uh, parabens, but it does have triclosan, which is the antibiotic, the stuff that's in antibacterial soap. Ah. In the deodorant. And I mean, I guess that works to stop the bacteria from growing. But um, <laughs> I don't know if that's something you want to be necessarily putting all over your armpits either. <laughs> so I'm, I don't know what the solution is. But I have tried this deodorant and it works really well. Yeah, I used to use a, <laughs> like a natural version of, uh, of Arm & Hammer and, mm-hmm. it, and it worked really well. Because mm-hmm. like Tom's Amain does not fucking work at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it doesn't. I'm sorry, but it doesn't work. I, will I love s- their toothpaste, but not their deodorant. Yeah. I will say quick, uh, if anyone is looking for what, well, what do you recommend, Stallion? You know, uh, they're on it. O-N-N-I-T. On it makes a totally natural, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it almost kind of feels like glue, but it works for me. Um, on it, uh, the, the, yeah, they, they make a natural deodorant. Yeah, you never stink. It, it does work really well. And it, you get the lavender kind, which mm-hmm. is tough because they'll sell out of it because this is so popular. Because you know what I think it is? It kind of smells convention i'm using a conventional term womanly but i think i think that's what makes it happen like i've had people say to me oh my god you smell so good you know and i I don't i don't wear there's nothing wrong with a guy smelling like lavender no i lavender is just one of those au naturel smells it's kind of unisex i think that can work i agree yeah it just smells kind of spicy and nice i love your deodorant so i i second that recommendation but another one i would recommend is silver shield it's um, it's literally made out of colloidal silver, and it works really well. Yeah, <laughs> I but use it, that. it won't turn your armpits blue. No, it won't. Uh, we got a USB-C cable. What else? Just real quick. 14-inch white acrylic globe, like for a light, a lampshade. Incandescent plastic globe pole fitter uh, for outdoor mounting. And Hills Science Diet Adult Perfect Weight Dry Cat Food. Right. Six bucks for a big bag of cat food. So have fun with your cat food, your cat litter. And I love that outdoor mounting. Yeah, outdoor mounting. (laughs) And we'll see you next week here on Sex and Science Hour. Thanks for joining us. Have a great night. Oh, and don't forget, if you want to be on our after show, stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. 